Hey Zags, today I'm walking around campus asking seniors what risk-taking means to them. What does risk-taking mean to you? To me, it means having new experiences. Risk-taking means stepping out of my comfort zone and trying new things. Probably just putting myself in an uncomfortable situation and being able to grow from it. On today's episode, we consider risk-taking and what it looks like to take a leap of faith after graduation. Our amazing guests today, who are Gonzaga alumni, will tell us about their experiences moving to China, adventuring through New Zealand, and working as a freelance consultant at fashion shows around the globe. These Zags knew they wanted to do something different, and they tell us how taking risk can be very scary, but very rewarding. My name is Molly Riedemann. I'm a senior at Gonzaga University, and you're listening to Careers in Marketing, a Gonzaga podcast. With one big suitcase, one small suitcase, and five of his Gonzaga roommates, our first guest was faced with a tough U.S. economy and saw the opportunity to move to China. Five years and many business ventures later, Sean Egetep returned to the U.S. with a successful startup, loads of experience, and a lot of great stories. So why did you, after graduation, decide to move to China? So there was uh, six of us Zags that actually moved out to China together. We all lived at a 428 mission. And my buddy had studied abroad in Shanghai for a semester our junior year. Um, And we were all business majors. And we graduated in 2010 when the economy wasn't the greatest for business majors. Um, And one by one, we started talking with them a little bit more about, you know, oh, what's what's Asia like, what's going on over there. He was all about just going over there right after graduation and just being over there for a year and traveling and experiencing all that. Um, And it ended up being six of us that all moved out there together. So um, it was cheating the way we did it. We cheated because it was your six best friends that all moved out there together and you experienced all this weird stuff um, together. And it was like, it was almost like a second college. Had you ever been to China before this move? No. <laughs> Had you been abroad at all? Uh, Canada doesn't really count, and we had been to Cabo and Cancun for spring breaks, so <laughs> that was that was as cultured as I was. So when you like chose to move there with all of your friends, did you guys know what you were going to do when you got there? Uh, we a couple of us had started talking about like business opportunities basically the idea for a few of us was we were going to go out there kind of kind of see what sort of opportunity there was out there and then if there was something that we could sink our teeth into um to do that by october we had gotten the entrepreneur bug and we're like all right there's a lot happening out here we don't really know what we're going to do or even what we're going to be successful in but we're going to start our own company and then try to figure out something to make us money because we originally were over there uh, teaching English and being able to get by doing that. Okay. How did you find that original company that sponsored you to come over? Google.com. <laughs> <laughs> and what were you doing in that first role? Uh, it was pretty miserable. Um, I can actually honestly say that the first month over there was probably the worst month of my life. Um, <laughs> I was teaching... Sixth to eighth graders, so middle school. A good story from that was 
it was my first day and I thought that they was they were just doing a meet and greet but what, I guess what happened is that the principal and like a regional school board person was there and so they wanted to show me off and I had never taught before at all and they're like just do a trial class here and uh, I had no plan of I had no idea what I was doing I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing I just was told to teach a class for 50 minutes um, so I get up there and I just start like asking people their names and basically bullshitting and trying to buy time and trying to figure out like what I should be doing um, and then this one kid uh, I asked him his name and he goes my name is Hu Jintao and at the time that was uh, the leader of China um, and so everyone in the room started laughing I had no idea who Hu Jintao was so I just was like oh nice to meet you and then it got like super quiet and then this kid goes, oh, teacher, you do not know who Hu Jintao is? You are so stupid. <laughs> and then everyone starts laughing. Um, but honestly, like, it going so bad right there, it could only go up the uphill. Because um, <laughs> afterwards, they, they said I did fine, so. Oh, good. So teaching was not for Sean, but throughout Sean's five years living in China, he was involved in many different business ideas, like creating a hangover drink, starting a nightclub, importing U.S. wines, and making iPad cases. His last idea was a success. He saw an opportunity to get into the watch industry, and he and his friends created Vincero watches. So this move was not like a six-month, one-year thing for you. Um, mm -hmm. How did you end up like staying longer and ending up staying there for five years? So we basically got in a position to where we kept trying businesses and failing at them. And it got to the point where we were like, all right, we're, we're going to stick out. We're going to stick it out until something works. Okay. Um, and so we kept trying stuff and then didn't want to come back until we had something to show for it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, can you tell us a little bit about Vincero? Yeah, so we are a direct-to-consumer watch company. Um, we started about five years ago on Kickstarter. Um, we've been focusing direct, specifically on uh, accessories, and it's been like watches, sunglasses. We're mostly men's. Um, we like blowing people away with the value you know we don't try to claim on being a two thousand dollar rolex or a five thousand dollar whatever but you can get you get if you're going to pay 150 200 bucks for a watch you're going to get blown away by, by what you get from us it's fair to say taking a risk and moving to china gave sean the opportunity to create a successful startup and gain lots of good stories and experiences along the way to wrap up our time with him, we asked him a few more questions we knew people would be curious about if considering a big move like his. So what did your family and friends say when you decided to make this move? They were uh, they were concerned that we were buying a one-way ticket to China. Um, <laughs> it was easier, I think, that like the six of us were doing it together. Yeah. Um, it also was probably concerning that the six of us were doing it together because um, we enjoyed ourselves. We had a good time and together and everything like that. And I think their concern was more of, all right, are these guys mature enough to be able to go out there and 
inhale themselves in this country that everyone thinks of as, you know, like, oh, it's the super strict communist country, um, which isn't really the case once you get out there. It's communist in name and in a lot of ways, expats and everything have it a whole lot easier out there living um, than, than expats living in the States. Yeah. What was like the biggest shock to you when you got there? <laughs> uh, no one spoke English. Um, <laughs> you for, you forget like how difficult it is to get around. It's, you're just completely out of your comfort zone, completely flustered. Um, and you either settle or you just don't like it. Um, and that's why I could keep harping on it was cheating the way we do it, did it because you're also doing it with your best friend. So like you come back at the end of the day, you're like, Oh my God, this was crazy. Did this happen to you? And they're like, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I have no idea. But if you're out there and you're alone, it's, you have to be a whole lot mentally tougher and a whole lot committed to why you're actually out there. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, I think why a lot of people fade off abroad. Yeah. Well, what advice would you have for seniors who are considering a move like you made? My advice would be make sure you really want to do it and then just do it and then don't look back. Have you ever felt pressure to jump right into a career but longed for adventure and experiences? A natural-born adventurer, Abby Turk has lived in four countries by the age of 23. Abby studied abroad both in high school and college, and after graduating from Gonzaga, she decided to travel to New Zealand with two of her close friends for one of her best adventures yet. When you were, you said when you were a senior, like you just wanted an adventure, you wanted to do something different. Were you like ever kind of torn between like wanting to get a job and kind of go to Seattle or move? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Completely torn. And it overwhelmed me so much. Um, and I think, I think when you graduate, you get in your head a lot and those months leading up to graduation, you get in your head a lot and you have, um, all of a sudden you have this entire life where you get to make your own decisions, right? Like people aren't making decisions for you or the system isn't making decisions for you where, you know, you go to school and then you go to high school and then you go to college and then you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend and then you get married and da, 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 you know, and you've got this whole, I, I was just so overwhelmed by this whole timeline that I felt was, listed out for me Mm -hmm. and it's so I think as graduates we just get so just so nervous because we don't we don't know what we're doing and the amount of breakdowns I had was just like oh my god I was so dramatic (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) but honestly it's you don't need to be scared about it and making your own decisions is so much fun the fact that that I was able to go and travel to Costa Rica in November for t- two weeks because I could and I had the money to do it and I wanted to and no one said oh no but actually you've got like this thing coming up actually you know like yeah I yeah it's cool so it was the three of you guys that went over there together right yes okay. yeah so we all started talking we're like well, why don't the three of us just go and travel down to New Zealand um and so yeah it was it was really fun it was cool to travel in a pack of like extremely independent and like strong-willed women and yeah yeah, it was just yeah it was amazing um 
but it's so funny because we got in and we were still in our we were still in our van we had this van named Roxanne and it was a Toyota Hyatt <laughs> and all three of us would like sleep in the back but we were squished together so like we were always like somewhat touching at every single point so once we actually like moved into our home and had different like beds let alone different rooms we were like what we're not we're not sleeping together what <laughs> but um, <laughs> we got into Queenstown and we're like yay cool we're home we got it and like our first like plan of attack was okay find a job find a home and we did not have a home for nine days which honestly I feel like is pretty damn good that we like actually were able to find like an apartment in nine days yeah. but in those nine days, I think we were the most dramatic versions of ourselves that could have <laughs> ever existed. I kid you not. We would have breakdowns. We were like, we're homeless. We don't have anything. We, we're, we're living out. I distinctly remember um, we would go and park our van at these campsites, and then we would drive into town. And there was this one time where, like, open up the van, I get my like toiletries bag and I'm walking down this like park path to these public restrooms where I can go brush my teeth and wash my face and we're passing and like New Zealand's a very travel oriented country. Like you've got travelers coming in everywhere. But I'm passing um these like friends walking down the street and I'm like, oh my God, they could be my future friends, but they're not gonna be because I smell right now. <laughs> public restroom brush my teeth. Um no, it was, it was just, it was such a, it was a fun experience, honestly. Moving to another country or traveling after graduation can feel very unattainable, but Abby told us how she was able to make it work financially and offered great advice for students considering a move like hers. Yeah, one of our questions was how you saved money before moving to New Zealand. Oh gosh, um... Well, living with your parents, <laughs> that definitely does it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Thankfully, my parents um, are very supportive. They also, it's so funny, I kind of made this rule for myself, and um, my parents kind of were very much about it as well, but I was like, okay, I've got a six-month rule at home, and basically it was, I've got six months to live at home, and then I'm going to be out of there, and I spent four months at home, and after graduation, working and saving money, um, I was just working in a hospitality job. And um, I worked and I worked and I worked and I didn't go out and <laughs> I um, spent not that much money um, because I knew that I wanted to have that in New Zealand. And yeah, I did, I did a great job. I was able to really, really have enough funds for myself and everything. Um, and so now <laughs> I'm back with my parents um, and I've got this like two month little period where I'm like, oh God, like, does this actually count? Even if it's like, <laughs> does the six month period count for like a split time? Um, but also going back to the money thing in New Zealand, we, um, when we got there, we were in um this kind of transitioning and traveling phase for about like two months so those funds that I had um I was able to kind of use those and have fun for those two months and then we got down to the South Island where we made our home um and I I had been able to still save quite a bunch of money and then we started working so that's where our income came in as well so okay 
Mm-hmm. One thing that we're like really trying to make sure we include is just like advice that you might have for people who are considering like going somewhere else after graduation or traveling yes. or anything. Yeah. Um, my thing is that if you have an itching to go travel after college, just do it. Just just do it and jump on it and don't look back at all because it's it's so great. And I learned so much about myself and um and i think it's going back to this this the the beginning of when i did graduate i had no idea what i wanted to do i was so indecisive and um traveling really made me sit in my feelings and sit in in my values and and sit in what i wanted in a career and so it just made me really know what I want now. You know, I, I know what I'm looking for in a company. I know what I'm looking for in a job and I know what I can bring. I think that's the biggest thing also. I, I know what my skills are. I've been able to actually like hone in on those. And so, um, yeah, I'd say traveling has really, it just, it makes you really reflect and it makes you think about yourself. And so I'd say completely 100% do it if you can. And I think there's this one good thing to remember and it's it's don't compare what you do after college or just in life in general to anyone else because everyone is on a completely different life path, right? That, the, the path that you choose for yourself, you can always go to someplace else, you know? Do you see yourself, I know you said like kind of two years working in Seattle, um, but do you see yourself moving abroad again? Yeah, yeah, I do. I completely <laughs> do. Uh, honestly, like anywhere in the world, I'm completely up for it. But yeah, I don't see travel leaving my life anytime soon. Our next guest considers risk-taking to be one of the central themes of her life. Jet-setting to fashion weeks around the world, Erin Arai is a freelance producer during many of the world's most iconic fashion events, but her story goes deeper than her career path. We really believe the advice she shared with us should be heard by all Gonzaga students. My goal in life is just to become an interesting person. I mean, I think that there's a lot more to come, but I do feel like it's been interesting. With her dad's big briefcase and no job, Erin moved to New York and got a job as a media planner. Although this wasn't her ultimate career goal, it provided her with great marketing experience. We asked her to tell us how she transitioned from this role as a media planner into a production role in the fashion industry. In between this company, this uh, media agency, and working at Bumble and Bumble and marketing, I had met this woman um, who was a fashion show producer. And so I took a vacation from my uh, media planning job, which they weren't that happy about, but I was pretty good at what I did, so <laughs> you, you can kind of get your way, or you know, guess, and <laughs> a little bit gung-ho. Um, and so I, I, I worked on fashion shows. On the fashion, uh, fashion Week, it was like, oh gosh, what was it, fall, winter, 2011 season or something like that, okay. zillions of years ago, um, with this company. And then when I worked at, when I was in marketing at Bumble, I worked on fashion shows all along before um, working and making that kind of my job at, at the company at Bumble. Yeah, awesome. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what you do today? I left Bumble and Bumble three years ago in February, um, and I was there for five years, doing a combination of working in marketing and then working solely on fashion show production, artist relations, 
kind of almost being an agent for our hairstylists because it is New York, so there are plenty of editorial opportunities and opportunities to work on set outside of the salon, outside of working on fashion shows. So I did that at Bumble and Bumble, and I left in um, February, three years ago. And I decided I just wanted to experience what fashion week was like other places. I wanted to work on the shows um, in a different way. And and I've always really loved languages. I like, I like fashion because, uh, of course, I do. I love the art and I love, I love clothing. But more than that, I love the international element of it. I love the fact that it's, you know, people coming from all around the world, the models that you meet, the designers, the stylists, everyone comes from around the world. And then we gather together during this, you know, this one week period in, in several cities um, and, you know, make something, something happen. And I've pretty much been doing that ever since. So just freelancing, doing freelance fashion show production in New York and then in uh, London, Mon and Paris and then traveling for different shows and working on campaigns and and doing uh, some event production, things that are adjacent to, but a, a bit far from, from marketing and from what I set out to do, but uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> kind of going off of that, like, could you tell us how you've refocused throughout your career and moved in different directions? Okay, yeah. I think it, it all has come down to you know, really just figuring out what I wanted, to, what I wanted to do or, or what, what was missing. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of been part head, part heart, you know, where I've had to think what would make me happy, but then also what's, what's realistic and how could I achieve that? So being a little bit strategic about things has, has really been a great asset because, it's easy just to like jump and quit your job and then you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go in this direction. But if you don't have a plan to get there, it can be a lot, a lot more stress and a lot harder than, than you think. So I think it's, it's really come down to kind of doing that temperature check to see where I'm at and, and also where, where I want to go. Yeah. Could you tell us like what has always been important to you in your career? Things you've always looked for? People, good people. I've always wanted to surround myself with just really in- incredible people. People, of course, that I admire and I think I'll learn something from, but that are positive and enjoy what they're doing. Um, this is still something very important to me that I work with people who like what they do. Yes, absolutely, but that just bring a little bit of you know a bit, little bit of light to it. Like I like to work with people that you like. That's that's the biggest part of of work it's not even so much sometimes what you're doing but who you're doing it with yeah that's totally true what advice would you have for students who are like wanting to do something different or people just in general who want to like pivot in their career path maybe they get into a job after graduation and like find out that it's not what they want to be doing um what advice would you offer okay (laughs) i think yeah this is this is a good one if you do find yourself, you know, you, you start a career, you never, you're never pigeonholed into what you're doing. It's, everything is really always open to you. Um, so I think that that realization and 
and just building, like making a path, making a plan. How are you going to do what you want to do? If you want to pivot out, you, you should, because I don't think that, because this is your one life. That's it. That's it. This is what we, this is what we get. So, um, so you've got to, you know, live the life that you want to live. But I would say you have to make a plan for how you're going to do that because just outlining how you're going to get there is, is probably the first step. And then pulling the trigger because it's super easy just to say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. But you have to set yourself a goal and do it, do it. Wait, the other thing I would also say is beyond, I think it's important to realize that your career is not your life. Um, There's something like, so I think it's important to stop and and like close your eyes almost and think about what do you want? Where do you see yourself? Like if you could paint the picture, um, but the whole picture, not just the going to work picture, because that's not what it's all about. And that's definitely something that I've realized. Um, Definitely. That is important because you may wake up (laughs) and think, gosh, what have I been doing all of this time working for something? There's, there's a greater. Yeah. No, I love that. That's perfect. (laughs) While some people may have a defined plan for after graduation, many of us don't. Some people may be considering grad school or travel or a big move. And these decisions about where to go and what to do can sometimes feel really daunting. The good news is there's no one clear path to success and success is going to look different for each of us. The overarching theme from our guests was to be flexible, take a temperature check, and decide what you're truly passionate about. Some of the greatest adventures come from taking a risk and having faith in the process. Today's episode was produced and edited by Nicolina Merlino, music courtesy of Music Box Licensing. Download other episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.